morning everyone <clears throat> I'm gonna explain a little bit give a little heads up I'm gonna things will be a little bit different today some of you will rejoice in the fact that we will have a 15 minute meditation <laughs> so your knees should be just fine <laughs> um, and then we'll take a little break Jessica and I will move down here and we'll put up the um, television something feels really weird to say television in the shrine room we'll put it up here and then we're going to um, play a video that i put together a couple of years ago for our 20th anniversary it's a shorter version it's not the whole thing but it's has um several very senior monastics uh, that are congratulating the good work that we have done for 20 years. It was on our 20th year anniversary. And um, it's really, really lovely to hear from them. Uh, they're proud of us, you know, what we've accomplished. I love being part of this community. And I think that this will emphasize, you know, the deep roots that we have here at Portland Friends of the Dhamma. Hello everyone, Sajjan Viradhammo speaking from Tisserna Buddhist Monastery near Perth in Eastern Ontario. We are all well during this pandemic. We are enjoying the solitude and silence. It's a very beautiful time of year here in Ontario. And we trust that you also are well and that the self-isolation and the difficulties of this time are not too stressful for you. I'd like to congratulate all of you for uh, this milestone of 20 years for Portland Friends of Dhamma, that you have managed to live together, practice together, create situations where you have Kalyanamitta, you have uh, Ajans visiting. This is a, is a great thing to be able to do. It's very hard to create communities. I suspect virtual communities are much, much easier. They are much easier. Face-to-face -face communities require a lot of commitment, a lot of patience, a lot of determination, and, and a real love of Dhamma, and, and the love of using the situations, the ups and downs of community life as practice. And obviously, to do this for 20 years and to be so successful, I had a chance to visit you just, uh, just at one time, I think, in that beautiful hall you have. This is a quite rare, quite unique for a a lay community to create such a, a lovely space and to sustain it, maintain it for so many years. So hats off to you, Asad, to Anamotana for having achieved this. And going forward, may, may your practice continue to deepen and, and become stronger. Um, may your love of Dhamma uh, be, be such that it, it it brings you a, a strong sense of inquiry, and from that strong sense of inquiry, it brings you um, 
great peace and, and, and liberation from suffering. And on behalf of the Sangha, we're very grateful for the support that we always uh, receive from folk like you. We couldn't live our lives without your lives. And so the mutuality uh, of our dedication to the Buddhist teaching is, is truly wonderful. So I'll close now. Um, I, I understand there'll be many Ajahn speaking. So with very best wishes from all of us at Tishana Buddhist Monastery, may you be well and happy, may you be free from suffering, and may you realize Nibbana. This is Anjana Moreau speaking from Amaravati Monastery in England and I wish to take the opportunity on this uh, 20th anniversary of uh, Portland Friends of the Dhamma to express my uh, mudita, my felicitations, congratulations on uh, all of you having made it this far and uh, uh, I would dearly love to be able to visit this year as was planned uh, for the autumn but um, as we all know with the coronavirus epidemic uh, all plans are uh, subject to change and so that um, I won't be coming this year but I, I will be uh, say with you all in spirit and uh, say sending all my blessings and good wishes for all of the work that you uh, are doing now and have done in the past and uh, will carry on to do in the future. When you're thinking about anniversaries and, and such like I feel it's very good to be having the Buddha's teaching on impermanence uh, front and center. You know, when, when you establish a, an organization or you go forth as a monastic or you get married or you build a house and, or uh, anything of that nature, then there's this sense of, oh, we're doing this and uh, hopefully it'll carry on forever. And uh, so one goes into, uh, say, adventures, ventures uh, of this nature with a good heart and with great commitment, enthusiasm, energy, and, and a sense of. Um, camaraderie, working together with, with other people to the best of your ability to, to bring things um, into form and help it to evolve in a good way. But I do feel that it's helpful to have in mind that, um, as Lumpur Chao would say, this is a broken glass. This is, the, this is an impermanent situation. And also in that respect, uh, even though that might be depressing to our ego or to the habits of self-view, in terms of wisdom, in terms of Dhamma practice, there's a kind of... Uh, easing in the heart that recognizes, oh, of course, uh, this can't last forever. And in that respect, it's good to recollect that uh, the Buddha's teaching is more, it's not a happily ever after teaching, rather it's a, uh, an islands of opportunity teaching. There are these uh, times when things come together, the right, the right people, the right place, the right conditions, they come together in a fortunate uh, and a helpful, supportive way. 
and uh, it's uh, the Buddha's encouragement is for us to take advantage of those uh, supportive conditions to be say making hay while the sun shines as we say here in the, the UK to gather ye rosebuds while ye may and while, while the opportunity is there take advantage of it there are these islands of possibility these islands uh, of a uh, potential opportunity and uh, that's how it, it always uh, has been and I feel this is a, a universal law just as the in the Buddha's time uh, things came together in India where there was enough uh, say social cohesion enough leisure time enough provision of food and and social say uh, well-being to enable there to be a monastic order to enable people to have free time to practice meditation to contemplate the teachings to seek out spiritual guidance they weren't in a a perpetual state of stress or having to hunt for food every day and to say be um, too concerned about just physical survival from a day-to-day -day, on a day-to-day -day basis so uh, just in that way now even though there's a great deal of social distress and confusion a great deal of conflict in the world particularly in the United States as I'm speaking the um, uh, the, the great um, uh, say social disturbance uh, say, uh, that has arisen with uh, the death of uh, George Floyd and, and others um, with uh, the, uh, the say, attention being uh, firmly, strongly drawn to the concerns for the African-American population, the, the, the non-white uh, population of America and the disadvantaged state in, in which they live. Um, there is a great deal of stress and difficulty, but I would say that uh, uh, we do have the Dhamma teachings, we do have time to meditate, we do have a sense of social cohesion in uh, many areas of our lives that, that we can take advantage of, we can use, and, and then out of that cohesion, out of those islands of opportunity, we can bring forth goodness, we can bring forth blessings, even in stressful times, uh, we do have the the opportunity we have the resources uh, to help each other to to say, use the the Buddha's teachings and to bring them to life and so that uh, uh, hopefully things will uh, say evolve in the United States and other countries around the world to, uh, to be much more of a uh, uh, equable and fair just system for all members of society all of the human community and that resources uh, will be equally available, uh, the law equally applied, and uh, the the, the uh, say standards of injustice and uh, unfairness that have been sort of in, entrenched in our societies for so long can be relieved, and the Dhamma teaching can be something that helps to inform that evolution. Uh, but eventually, it will all fall apart. <laughs> the uh, uh, the times will change in maybe a hundred years, two hundred years, five hundred years. Then things will no longer be so coherent or be so meaningful. Um, uh, the living conditions might change radically, and so that uh, we uh, we look at rather than thinking, okay, the Portland Prince of the Dhamma is going to be here forever, or Amravati Monastery is going to be here forever. Right now, we have this uh, coherent uh, presence we have this well integrated form a way of life we have the the, the Buddha's teachings we have the four noble truths we have the uh, the four requisites for the monastic community are, are provided amply there's enough social cohesion to provide for people's lives to be carried on in in a reasonably say uh, <coughs> Uh, say well well formed well integrated um, and a healthy way to uh, for large portions of the population so 
the encouragement is to use those situations, use those resources as best we can, use the time that we have as best we can, because it's not going to last. That the uh, make hay while the sun shines, well, the sun doesn't shine all the time. <laughs> that uh, the weather changes, uh, they, the seasons change, the conditions change. Those islands of opportunity get uh, overwhelmed by the sea; they, they sink below the waves, and so those islands of opportunity are not always around. So that uh, if we bring to mind, uh, open our hearts to the, that uh, quality of change, that, that this is a broken glass already, then it helps us to really be fresh and awake to the possibilities we have in each moment and to really take advantage, to really cherish the blessings that today brings and to really use every ounce of our strength, our abilities, our capacities to, to help each other, to as I, bring our attention, to understand this mysterious thing uh, that we are part of in the human world and to share the blessings that come from that understanding with each other. This is what we can do and that the, the law of impermanence, the law of uncertainty, uh, in a way it helps to sharpen our attention. You know, this, this isn't going to last forever so, so wake up. <laughs> take, take, uh, take advantage of today because tomorrow who knows and so that, that I feel this is a a suitable, appropriate reflection uh, for Portland Friends of the Dhamma, and I hope that your day uh, can, uh, continues to be some uh, something that is filled with blessings, much camaraderie, uh, probably many memories being exchanged, and uh, good feelings. So, sadhu anamodana for all of your good work, and I wish you all the best uh, as life proceeds uh, into the future. When you're a friend of the Dhamma, you have a good friend, a friend who has your best interests in mind. And one who reminds you of those best interests, because all too often we forget. It reminds you that your most important possession is the state of your mind, and your most important power is the power of your actions, your intentions. They can shape your life in many directions. And the Dharma is there to remind you that you can shape your life in the direction of long-term welfare and happiness, true happiness, ultimately happiness that doesn't change, happiness that causes no harm. And like the best of friends, the Dharma teaches you to be a friend to yourself. It encourages you to develop qualities that allow you to rely on yourself, the first being mindfulness, the ability to keep important things in mind, and then alertness, the ability to watch what you're doing, to see that your actions really do stay in line with what are your long-term best interests.
and ardency, the desire to do this well. Every time before you act, speak, think, it reminds you to ask yourself, what do you expect? As a result of acting on that intention, do you expect any harm to yourself or others? If so, you don't do it. If you don't see any harm, go ahead and try. While you're doing the action, look at the results that are coming in the course of the action. Because not all actions wait until the next lifetime to give the results. Some of them are immediate. If you see that you actually are causing harm to yourself or others, you stop. If you don't see any harm, you can continue with the action. When the action is done, you look at the long-term results. And you, if you see that in spite of your expectations, you actually did cause harm to yourself or to others, you resolve not to repeat that harm. And then you go talk it over with another friend of the Dhamma to see what advice that person has. If you don't see that you did any harm, then you can take joy in that fact and continue in your training. In this way you develop your powers of observation, your own self-honesty, your integrity, your compassion, all of which allow you to rely on yourself more and more. So it's in this way that the Dharma teaches you to be a good friend to yourself. Of course, you also want to be a friend to the Dharma. What this means is an old principle called practicing the Dharma in accordance with the Dharma. You change your ways to fit into the Dharma rather than trying to change the Dharma to fit in with your own preferences. Because after all, the Dharma is timeless. This is why it's always timely. It's good for us when times are easy and we tend to get complacent. It's good for us when times are hard and we tend to get discouraged. To remind us that our actions really are important in both cases. Just because things are going well doesn't mean they always will go well. And when things are hard, that's no reason to abandon the importance of your own actions. You don't want to get swept up in the emotions of others. And you want to realize that the results of actions follow a principle that's 24-7, enforced at all the time. Which means that no good deed is ever wasted. As the Buddha said, even if four mountains were moving in from the four directions, crushing all living beings in their path, you'd still want to practice the Dhamma. Because that would be for your long-term benefit and happiness. And in fact, four mountains are moving in. Aging, illness, death separation. These things are going to happen to all of us. 
But that's no reason to get discouraged. That's no reason to give up. We still have this power within us, the power of our actions, the power of our intentions, and the ability to find a long-term welfare and happiness is always available. But if we were to change the Dharma to suit our preferences, it wouldn't be there for us all the time. So we change ourselves instead. It's in this way that we benefit from our friendship with the Dharma. As we become good friends of the Dharma and good friends for ourselves. Greetings, friends. Ajahn um, <clears throat> Sujito, speaking from another corner of the United States of Dhamma, uh, which is a, uh, a body that I've privileged belong, been privileged to belong to for quite a while, and I meet many friends and uh, Dhamma relatives over the years, including many of yourselves, and I hope to be able to, in due course, be able to renew that acquaintance uh, using one of these flesh vehicles called a body. Uh, but right now we're using these uh, amazing virtual vehicles, which is saves on airfares and wear and tear, but it's it's, it's kind of a second best. But here we go. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I'm just sent, um, making this short video to uh, offer my. Uh, spiritual support and encouragement for your practice. Certainly uh, it's a challenging time for many, many of us, but it also does uh, keep reminding you, you know, where are, you know, what's your baseline? You know, uh, you know when the nation goes crazy and the economy goes crazy and, you know, the world goes upside down, what, what do you belong to? What's your baseline? Who can you trust? Who can you turn to? And can each and every one of us be somebody who can be trusted and who can be turned to in uh, in, in circum as circumstances wash over us and crash up against us? And this sense of Sangha community, Dhamma community, assembly, as you like to put it, fourfold assembly is something that you don't just join once. Uh, like any community, you don't just join it by a subscription or by moving in. You join it every day, every moment, through that commitment to placing your individual consciousness within within the wider field, the collective. Because the collective is the baseline. We can't exist without 
some environment and for most of us that's for all of us that's the human environment that's what we exist with we don't exist separate from that so if you don't exist separate from that surely then it's our duty to make that which we're not separate from as appropriate and suitable and as possible for our own welfare and for the welfare of others this is our practice as community as sangha <clears throat> and it's not just to form some clique or a little you know nice society in a society it's for our own welfare and that can keep extending whoever who wishes to uh, operate in this way uh, then they're part of us you know there's no no entry fee you enter every day through your commitment mm-hmm. you know, and your practice so you're looking around how can you help how can you support what's your baseline the baseline of the individual is inadequate using that as a baseline is, is not adequate so even in your meditation you can probably recognize when you sit and you know do whatever you do you get a very strong sense of i'm here and you've got a you know physicality of body or a sense of presence but then what's around that if you go inside it you get into all the tangles and the you know the physical discomforts and the sensations you go inside your mind you get into all the tangles of the mind but you get to hold the whole thing as an entity and you the space around that and you keep extending your awareness from your local consciousness your self-consciousness your self-consciousness into the unrestricted field of awareness and the unrestricted field of awareness is our baseline as number practitioners and the self thing occurs within that you know, whether it's the experience of the edges of your body the pressure underneath you the experience of your personal circumstances and their turbulence and turmoil um, whatever it is you widen across that and you get to the, to the place where you can just contemplate this arises all this arises within my awareness i'm not inside it it's inside me you know it's inside the unrestricted so we're taking the unrestricted as our baseline not the restricted you take the restricted consciousness as your baseline you can only go into further restrictions so you get the unrestricted and you keep extending it to every place where you want to hold back or get defensive or got agitated okay that arises within awareness how do i meet that not criticize not get agitated around it but actually spread wide embracing awareness over that oh, well, that's just a disturbance within the field that's a dhamma practice and our vinya practice or if you like our uh, external practice is very much the same thing here's she and here and them and what I feel about this that and the other and the idiosyncrasies I can like or dislike and need to acknowledge that but then let go of that agitation around those features and extend into the wider field okay here's the goodwill here's the potential for good karma in this person in my person and in our meeting together here's the potential for good karma 
it doesn't come easy it doesn't come instantly it comes through practice to and your practice has to be widening opening and steadying and the more you can include that in your meditation practice and the more you can include that in your living social relationships then the wider your baseline is and the firmer you get and the firmer your practice gets and the firmer and stronger your community gets and this really has to be the way we develop as individuals and how we make a contribution to to the society yeah? you know we there's such a thing as collective karma um, you know and you can inherit all the uh, views opinions prejudices bias anguish of the local culture and go into all that which is an incredible tangle or you can inherit the blessings the legacies the teaching the training commitments of the Dhamma practitioners and go into that and what do you want to belong to what do you want to take as your frame of reference as your baseline and how do they work how do such beings work they work by encompassing embracing their aware with their awareness the tangled world and it begins to respond this is the way it's always grown this is why you have monasteries all over the world because of this this is why you have Dhamma practitioners all over the world this is when am I looking at a zoom screen I'm looking at somebody from Peru Singapore Australia Britain Germany you know like where is anywhere anymore you know <laughs> and you think in some way this is an amazing piece of technology in another way it's, it's obvious because that's what's happening in my mind you know I don't have a here's an American portion here's a British portion it's just this is my community yeah. right. so I'll keep it short uh, brief and uh, hopefully there's something you can uh, reflect upon and uh, with all the other people who will be give, offering you advice and, uh, and support uh, I wish to make my contribution to that so may you be well Greetings to friends that I know and friends that I don't at PFOD. Very happy to be able to send my good wishes your way on this a special celebration. 20 years is a long time from the bare beginnings of a group of three or four people to what it has become today. 
and um, I've always appreciated my time with everyone at PFOD. I've really gotten a lot of joy out of um, just watching it grow and watching people extend themselves and work together. And yes, it's not always easy, there's not always agreement, but that's true anywhere. <laughs> and we just have to do our best to work together and, and um, towards something that is of benefit to to many. So kudos to you because it's a wonderful thing that um, you've built and added to and sustained. The world certainly needs centers like this and they're a place of great support. I know for myself I've always felt uh, that yes I can be on my own and I can be okay but I find much greater support being in the presence of of like-minded people who can help me to see where I'm where I may be my vision is not so clear and also to to help catch me if I'm I'm going in a direction that's not skillful not useful sometimes that's in as little of a thing as just encouragement or a reflection back so that's a beautiful thing that you have because you have a group of people there of Kalyanamita and really <clears throat> this practice is totally completely dependent on that just to sustain it to keep us on the right track and it's not always easy and so our, our Kalyanamita bolster us and that's what I feel like uh, PFOD has really built over the years and um, People come and go, but there's always a core group that's really supportive and wholeheartedly giving of themselves into it and aspiring to really wholesome things. So uh, just wish you a lot of encouragement and send my deepest gratitude to you. And it's wonderful to be able to offering this 10 years after our wonderful 10-year celebration when the Hermitage was just beginning. Um, still have fond memories of that. So hopefully we'll be seeing you sometime before too long, but I hold you in my hearts and just, just deepest congratulations to you. Wow, 20 years, it's amazing. And what a gift, what a precious gift to have this community of the Portland Friends of the Dhamma. This is a place where we can really practice all the things that the Buddha said we need for harmony and community. We can be kind to each other, practice an agreed upon set of precepts, share what we have with each other, and the Buddha said the most important thing is to have a view that is noble and liberating and leads to the complete ending of suffering. He compared that to the ridge pole of the house or the beam at the peak of the house 
And that's what holds the whole building together. That's what gives stability. And for us as practitioners, that gives us a unified goal. It pulls everything from the path along with it. It helps us help each other to stay on the path. And we can really, with a community like this, we can put forth the best version of ourselves. And we can live it and practice it until it becomes our character. We can live as a noble disciple lives. So what's a noble disciple? The Buddha contrasted the untaught ordinary person with the noble disciple in many, many places in the suttas. So we can learn how does a noble disciple act and speak and think. And as we pick up that and we practice and we support each other to stay on the path, then that's how we are. That's what we become, the noble disciple. And don't ever think, oh, I'm not that far along. I don't have those attainments. Because it becomes a reality as we put in the effort and we stay focused on that goal that we all share. That goal, that view that is noble and liberating is not a common thing in the world. We don't even see it necessarily in all Buddhist groups. But at PFOD, that's the goal. And your teachers are teaching that, and your community is practicing that, and this is something really precious. So celebrate, celebrate this 20 years of experience and look forward to the years that come and use it for the best possible result. This is uh, Ajahn Sumedho speaking from Wat Pa Retinawan in Thailand. And I was informed recently by Sakura that the Friends of the, Friends of the Dhamma uh, in Portland, Oregon will be celebrating their 20th year uh, in, on the 28th of June. So I want to just express my appreciation for all the hard work that all of you have done to make this possible. The interest in Buddha Dhamma has increased uh, very strongly throughout the world because there's a great need for wisdom and understanding of the way things are. The Dhamma actually means the reality, awakened to reality, the friends of the Portland Friends of the Dhamma is dedicated to inviting uh, monks, ajahns, 
who have the practice meditation, who have insight and understanding into the teaching of the Dhamma, into the Dhamma, and therefore uh, this is a very important uh, event to celebrate, to encourage uh, through this time with the Corona, COVID-19 virus pandemic, uh, where there's so much doubt, so much uh, fear, anxiety about the future, and our reflections on Dhamma allow us to get beyond just the the uh, immediate reactions we might have to the events that we hear through the media. I've been retired now from my duties at Amarbati in the UK for nearly 10 years. Living here in Thailand, I have plenty of time to meditate and during this time it has been very helpful just to relinquish duties and and be with myself more and more to to see that the true path is is not something remote something uh, external that you've got to find or something you don't have it's awakening to the reality of here and now and and so it's not something you'll ever find outside yourself. The, the problem with most human beings and the material cultures that we come from is that we assume we are the conditions of the physical body, the mental and emotional states, the memories. We identify with all the condition, with all the phenomena that we experience in a, in a lifetime. And so we identify with that which is imperfect, which changes, which has qualities of right and wrong, good and bad. But it's, it's, this is the delusion that one has that, that uh, one is, is imperfect because we identify with the conditions that are imperfect. But our true nature is Dhamma, is perfection, and we began to awaken to that reality in a very direct way rather than trying to just uh, justify or, or make problems around the conditions, the habitual conditions, the habit patterns, the, the thoughts, the memories, the mistakes we make in life. We began to find our real nature, our true sense of being is here and now it's perfect, stainless, spotless, it's the Dhamma, that's our refuge. And so, you know, I encourage all of you who are listening to, to take an interest in Dhamma. This particular word is very significant in, in all the forms of Buddhism, and uh, it has many definitions, but in terms of translation, it means that which is apparent here and now, and that is the reality of now, timeless. It's not something that comes and goes, it's not dependent on space or time or special conditions. So that this Dhamma reality is, is our true nature 
And when we realize that, then that's the end of suffering. So I offer this as a, as a reflection to celebrate and honor the 20th anniversary of the Portland Friends of the Dhamma, wishing you all well, giving my blessings and best wishes.